0: Hello and welcome to episode 13 of the Haiku Chronicle. I'm Patricia, your host. If you listened to last week's podcast, you would have heard a wonderful haiku from Giddy Nielsen Sweep, who raised the question of seasonal words, or Kigo, in English-language haiku. She got me thinking, are they necessary or even relevant these days? As you probably know, haiku were developed in a rural time, hence their connection to nature and the importance of seasons. Therefore, it makes sense that in traditional Japanese haiku, it would have been normal to put at least one word or phrase in your haiku to give a clue as to what time of year it was being written. Traditionally, kigo act as a general evocation of the nature of human activities at a certain time of year. For example, on its own, the word moon evokes an autumnal scene. And if you intend the moon to indicate another season, you should add spring moon or summer moon, You see where I'm going with this. Using these prescribed seasonal words, or the saigiki as they're known, the writer could convey rather more than you would expect in short phrases or a mere word. Now, according to Higginson, many Japanese haiku poets of the early 20th century grew weary of the requirement for Kigo. Some simply did not bother to learn which plants, animals and household objects belonged to which seasons. The thinking was that the season word lists were artificial even in those things which are very specific in time. For example, cherry trees blossom during a period of a few weeks and seasons change as we move north to south, east to west. As the evolution of the haiku continued through the 20th century and it crossed national and cultural borders, it was argued by people who didn't use the seasonal word that most of life took place in cities or indoors and now of course digitally and so nature was becoming less important in our lives. Seasonal words were becoming irrelevant. As I said, the Japanese have a prescribed list of seasonal words. They're culturally relevant, but do they make the transition to English-language haiku? I don't think so. The probability is that most people outside Japan don't understand the coded references, nuances and emotions that the traditional Japanese haiku seasonal word evoke. This does not mean we can't use seasonal references within English language haiku. Do we develop our own prescribed lists, though, or do we leave it to our imagination, to our free choice, to come up with a meaningful seasonal reference? The advantage of a prescribed list is that we can choose a reference which will give a clear meaning. However, that might take some doing given the range of English-speaking cultures you'd have to satisfy. The disadvantages apart from the amount of time and argument it would take to agree on, on, on such a list, is that clear meaning may only be understood by fellow aficionados and not travel well into the larger community. Our other choice is freestyling it. Do we use words which are culturally relevant in the culture we live in? But the problem with this idea is, as I've alluded to, that the English-speaking world is more diverse than the Japanese. If we freestyle, we risk not being understood, or eliciting the emotional response of a good haiku. I admit that sometimes, as a European, I have trouble understanding the references in American haiku, even though I'm a native English speaker. I'd like to illustrate what I'm talking about with something I wrote earlier. It's raw and unedited, but I hope it illustrates what I was talking about. No children on the early bus. Roadworks. Here in Zurich, when the weather warms up, The roadworks start. So I've freestyled here using the word roadworks as my seasonal word. If you live where I do, you may get the connection. Roadworks equals summer equals school holidays. A bit extreme, but I hope it illustrates where freestyling could lead. So where does that leave my thinking with regard to seasonal words? Well, I agree with David Cobb when he says it should be possible to place the haiku in one of the seasons of the year. But it's different with senrayu. But then again, haiku and senryu are two different things, and I'll come on to this in another podcast. I'm also inclined to agree with Jim Katchin when he wrote, I believe kigo will continue to matter in haiku in all cultures. They are the leavening which makes the dough of haiku rise. Despite my love of the seasonal word, I think things have moved on, and now it's become more acceptable to have a keyword as a replacement for the seasonal word, Indeed, perhaps roadworks is really what that is, a key word rather than seasonal word. But I'll talk more about that on another podcast. And if you'd like to contribute to the debate, please contact me via the website poetryp.com. Now, what have I been learning from my writing this week? First thing I learnt was I'm not good working to a prompt. It feels like an unauthentic way for me to write haiku. I know others can do it successfully. But I need to have had the experience first. I'd be interested to know how other people manage it. What have I been writing this week? Well, you can see all of my raw efforts on the Poetry P website. I've been connecting with elements and sites of the public transport system here in Zurich. Is it a good topic for haiku or senraiu? I'll let you decide. But I want to feature a couple of them here. The girl stares through the tram window. An old man waves. In this I'm seeking to express the basic connection between people, in this case the old and the young, and I think this idea crosses all cultures. I asked for help with this one because I wasn't really satisfied with it, but couldn't see a way forward. And the first thing someone said to me was, you've got too many verbs. Now this was the blindingly obvious, why had I not seen it? What a silly billy. I turned to the lovely haiku group Sharing Haiku Knowledge on Facebook. I get a lot of advice from them. And Damien suggested that I use an image of a girl with a phone. A girl stares at her phone, was his suggestion, which he thought would widen the gap between the phrase and fragment of the haiku, which he rightly thought was too close. There really isn't enough space in this version. And he also felt on a personal level that this phrase aroused more emotion. The girl stares at her phone through the tram window and old man waves. And more advice, this time from Gary, who contributed last week, who suggested the following. Tram window. Girl gazes as old man waves. I like both these versions very much, but they lose the pivot which is in the original. And I'd like to keep the pivot. So... It's still a work in progress. I also wrote this. From his buggy, he waves to the passing train. Mittens. First, I should explain the word buggy, just in case it doesn't translate well. It's a pushchair in which the child sits pretty much upright and can see what's going on around him or her. So what's the story behind this one? It's personal. Last week, I spent more than my usual amount of time using public transport here in Zurich. One afternoon, coming back from town, I was waiting at the level crossing to let a tram pass, and standing with me was a mature gentleman with a toddler in a buggy. As the tram passed us by, the child raised a mitten-covered hand and waved to the driver, who waved back. All of us were smiling at this small gesture, which connected the child and the driver, and indeed all four of us. Now if this pleasure were not enough, it reminded me of my father. My father took early retirement when my first child was born, in order to spend as much time with him and the subsequent children as possible. Now my first child was not a sleeper, not at night and not during the day, unless you were carrying him around or pushing him in his buggy. So Dad would arrive after lunch, wrap him up warmly, hat and mittens and a blanket in the winter, and take him out for a walk in the pushchair. We lived at that time close to a bridge that went over the railway and often my little boy would stay awake until he'd waved at the train and the train driver, God bless them, would often blow the whistle back at him, which he loved. And if I'd had a good night's sleep, then I would go with them. So when I saw this little boy and what I presumed was his granddad enjoying a similar experience to my family, it tugged at my heart. But now crossing continents, Let's go to India, and to my guest, Ramlut Dinpuya. Hope I pronounced that right. Now I haven't been to India in about 30 years, but from what I know of the country, it's changed enormously in that time. At the time we went, my husband and I moved about from place to place, and we were constantly approached by beggars. So when I read Ramlaut's haiku, I was taken back to that wonderful holiday we'd enjoyed, seeing a country and a culture so different to the one we lived in. What can I tell you about Ramlot? Well, he's doing a Master's in Physics and living in India. I've noticed that many of you who submit haiku to the Haiku Chronicle have a link to scientific study, noticeably physics. I was rereading the Introduction to Haiku in English, The First Hundred Years, which you'll find in my recommended reading list, and in it Billy Collins gives us an analogy between haiku and physics. He says, Just as matter is composed of atoms, which give off a great energy when accelerated to the point of collision, so time is made up of moments, and when a single moment is perfectly isolated, another kind of cosmic energy is released. I like to think of the haiku as a moment-smashing device, out of which arise powerful moments of dazzling awareness. Anyway, back to Ramlott. What inspires Ramlott to write? Nothing but what surrounds him, he says. He believes that haiku is the best way to express and explore what he's seen and what happens around him. And when reading haiku, he says he enjoys one that will clearly capture the exact moment of something that happened. Short and clear image is the most important, in his opinion. And so too is haiku. I hope it resonates with you. City Market, the son of the beggar dances in the winter wind. Lovely. Thanks, Ramlord. I'm looking forward to featuring you again in the future. And so, that's it for this week. I'll be back next Monday with more haiku. Keep writing and sending me your wonderful haiku to be featured on the podcast and on the Poetry P website. In the meantime, can I ask you a favour? Go and give the Haiku Chronicle Facebook page a like. You'll find the link in the show notes. Thank you. See you next week. Keep writing.